0: I love Football Sunday. We've been doing this. This is, I think, our fifth year in a row to do Football Sunday. We're going to watch an incredible video in just a moment. Um, NFL players that are playing in this year's Super Bowl, many of them talking about their faith. And I I just want to tell you guys my heart on this. Some people say, well, you know, are we promoting the NFL? We are not trying to promote the NFL today. I know some people love the NFL. Some people hate the NFL. It's been controversy this year. We're not here to try to promote the NFL. We're here to promote Jesus. Amen? And, And... our, our mission at Orchard Church is to help people find and follow Jesus, and anytime we can embrace something in culture and use it as an opportunity and tool to bring people to Jesus, we're going to do it. One of the things we say here, one of our values is we'll do anything short of sin to bring people to Jesus. And so I'm just grateful and thankful there are some NFL players in the league that are using their careers as a National Football League professional, as a platform to share their faith, tell their stories, and invite people into a personal relationship with Jesus. So we're going to watch this year's uh, 2018 football sunday video right now it's going to bless your heart and encourage and challenge all of us
1: and welcome. This is Super Bowl weekend and I'm your host, James Brown. You know, whether you're an avid fan, a casual spectator, or someone who loves watching the game for the commercials, the Super Bowl continues to be one of our most popular cultural events each and every year. And with kudos and gratitude to the donors, NFL players, and the amazing team at Sports Spectrum, you're now watching Football Sunday 2018.
2: This city is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, it's an extremely uh, blue-collar town. It's not really New York and the glitz and glam, but it's a hard-working city. Um, and my family and I love being here. You know, the history, uh, the food, man, the food's unbelievable. Cheesesteak's obviously pretty
3: good. You see every stage of life, you know, it's just real, it's authentic.
4: It's a big-time sports city, and we're lucky to be a part of it.
2: The fans are great. Um, they're wild, they love their football. Uh, They're the most passionate sports fans in the entire country, in my opinion. It makes you excited about your job, and uh, it makes you want to play even harder.
5: It's a unique area because you have a a diverse group of people, hardworking people. You have everything from the mountains to the ocean. The city is awesome.
6: I mean, you just feel the history around here. I mean, I think you, you have to say that's a special feeling
2: from Kansas originally so a bit of a culture shock um, but I mean I love it out here it's uh, great people great food so
7: love it here you know the fans are very passionate about sports they give it to us raw and real uh, it's a
6: die-hard sports town the success that our teams have had here and our fans really love it they enjoy
5: it we have a lot of fans that really support us big-time
1: the word rain means something extremely important today At the conclusion of Super Bowl 52, one team will reign supreme in the world of professional football. And that word, the word reign, was important to Jesus as well. It was actually one of his favorite words to bring up with anyone who might listen. Now we translate it using the word kingdom, but whatever the case, the kingdom of God or the reign of God was always on the lips of Christ. So if Jesus believes that the Kingdom of God is worth exploring and if he's always inviting people into it, then we would do well to explore it and perhaps even take more than a casual glance toward its beauty and its potential. So we'll ask this question at the onset and we'll pursue it throughout our time together. What does it look like for a person to live in the Kingdom of God? How do we live within this reign where the glorious and powerful king is also a loving and sacrificial father? We believe any answer to that question begins when a person seeks Jesus. We ask a group of NFL players what it means for them to seek Christ. Their answers are insightful, reflective, honest, and at times surprising. Here's what they said about seeking Jesus.
8: For a person to seek God, uh, I think it's, it's a person to seek truth.
3: You know, I, I think our hearts always long to seek something, you know, to seek satisfaction, to seek gratification, to seek peace.
4: It's something that that you have to, that you have to do.
9: You have to actually be in pursuit we're called to not only just sit down and expect God to come to us, but we're called to chase after Him and seek after Him.
6: You know, seek ye first the kingdom and uh, all His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I mean, it doesn't get any more blatant or plain than that, that it's important for us to get our priorities straight.
3: coolest thing about it, man, is like when you intentionally seek something, It's for a purpose or a specific reason. And I think, you know, in our hearts, we're all longing for something. We're all longing for that that peace and that joy and that satisfaction.
10: So usually when when I'm not seeking God, I'm actually not reaching far enough. I'm not even reaching my potential.
3: We put our heart into all these other
7: things, all these worldly things. And we have to turn them from those things just to look at God because he's counter to all those things. Seeking his kingdom is counter to seeking the world. For me to seek God now, and you know, I just look
8: back on these times in my life where I'm, I'm, you know, smack in the middle of uncertainty, where something happens, and I feel like that's my most peaceful times, because I don't, I, I'm, you're literally walking blind. You, you don't know what's next. Because of that uncertainty, it puts you in a, a place of seeking and understanding what real faith is about.
7: Regardless of the situation, you know, that's kind of what what Paul is talking about. Whether I have, you know, a little or I have a lot, I can do all things through Christ. And that's that's really what that means, you know. And no matter the situation, we have to be seeking His face.
10: Whether I'm trying to help somebody or change something, I'm like, I can't do it on my own. And that's when you kind of realize, okay, I've been put here to get this accomplished, but I can't do it on my own accord. And I continuously, you know, seek guidance, seek
9: wisdom. And like, I don't know how I'm going to get this done, but God, I, I need that direction, and you have to make time and be intentional about, you know, living that life of Christ and seeking Him, and seeking Him in the most fundamental and most basic ways.
1: No matter where you are in your relationship with Jesus, seeking Him really is the foundation. You know, we find Jesus in those moments of seeking Him, and ultimately, those also become the moments when we feel ourselves the most completely found.
3: It's just authentic community. You know, guys are, are talking about their struggles. Guys are talking about the things that they're working through, the things that you know are are going well in their lives, the things that are you know difficulties, whatever it might be. You know, the biggest thing about the you know, guys in the locker room is that uh, there's a bunch of unselfish players. You know, it's a really you know tight knit group. It's
2: really what a team should be. These are guys that not only love me as a player, but encouraged me more so off the field to stay true to the Word, um, to be in the Word, to consistently seek growth.
3: My relationship with God is the only reason why I'm playing football. You know, every time I'm out in the field, um, I'm not trying to bring my name glory, I'm trying to bring God's name glory because He's the one who's given me the opportunity and um, really paved the way for you know me to be here in this position I'm in now. When I'm focused on Him, everything else can be scattered.
4: Everything else can be hectic and I'm at peace and I'm level. and um, you know, I think ultimately that's the love and the grace, and the beauty of, of Christ, and having a true relationship with Him.
2: My relationship with Jesus is second to none. The last year um, was the first year that I truly dedicated my life to Christ. I got baptized in March, and with Jesus in my life, I know exactly who and why I'm playing this game.
10: This team really has become um, a brotherhood that has actually even gone even into the coaches and the players. They truly are a family.
2: Carson went down, it was obviously tough for the team. Um, a guy that was pretty much the rock of the team. And when he got hurt, everyone was extremely devastated.
11: We were obviously playing uh, extremely well. You know, we were on pace to go in the NFC East. We were just really clicking. Offensively, we've been playing really well throughout the game. I almost felt like I was playing as fast and as, like, just carefree in a good way, just like, I felt like I was in total control out there and potentially like had to feel for the game that I probably hadn't had on that level yet. Um, I just felt this probably as good as ever. And uh, I scrambled around and dove in and didn't think much of it. And I started standing up, and I realized, okay, my leg, my left leg, something's wrong. Every time I stepped, I just, I could not put pressure on it. I could barely walk. And so I stayed in there for four more plays. Two of them were runs, and I caught the ball handed off. I usually carry out my fake and do everything, and that wasn't happening. And then he called a pass, and I'm like, okay, I got to get the ball out. Uh, I can't stand here very long. And threw it, it was incomplete. I just turned and put my head down and started walking off. and thinking third down, and coach was like, no, 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 go back out there. Fourth down, we're going for it. I'm like, all right, here we go, as I'm like struggling just to walk back to the huddle and I was just like okay well I hope they um my first read's open I'm like something's got to happen of course not um I just stood in there stood in there someone finally started breaking through the line and I just kind of threw it in the direction of Alshon and Nelly like and it was all it was all a gift from God that that was completed for a touchdown usually I'm running in there to celebrate and have fun with my guys and I just said okay cool and I walked straight to the train I'm like we need to go in that tent something's wrong And uh, I just remember saying, Jesus, 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 like over and over, like I need you, I need you. Trainers were looking at it, doing their tests, and I honestly wasn't even really paying attention to their tests, I was just laying back, Jesus, 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 because he's the only one that could make it better, and he's the only one that could provide me peace, and at the same time, I'm like, your will, because I knew I needed him emotionally, physically, kind of everything in that moment. Woke up and from the surgery and felt okay. And then the next day came and I felt miserable. It was one of the worst days of my life because I just I couldn't even sleep. Like there was just so much pain and you never think you're going to be that guy. Um, and I'm just like, well, this is me now. I am that guy. This is reality for me. And how am I going to come back from it? Yeah. To know like all the pain I'm going through and to think of what Jesus went through for me, it made me recognize a deeper level of love than I think I ever have really felt in a long time. It's always easy to say he's in control of everything, but the more I recognize like I need him in literally every moment of every situation when I can't even walk and do things, um, the more I realize like he's got everything in the palm of his hand.
3: You just have to know and be comfortable knowing that this is exactly where God has us. We know that he doesn't make mistakes, he doesn't pace back and forth, he's seated on the throne, and he knows that this is exactly where we need to be. Just this whole season, you know, guys have stepped up, backups have stepped up, guys have prepared like they were gonna be the starter, you know, going into that game even though they weren't and um, they were just ready for their, their number to be called.
10: I think that's what's made this year so amazing is how this entire team, players, coach, staff, secretaries just coming together for this common cause uh, of famine.
1: If one hallmark of life in God's kingdom is seeking Christ, the next mark is one that might feel more difficult, more sacrificial, and quite frankly, at times more painful. The word is surrender. In Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, the Apostle Paul implores us to become what he calls living sacrifices. And our NFL players had much to say about what this means.
10: The word surrender to me is always one that I struggle with because to me it deals with responsibility where usually you you think of it as a place of weakness. For me, it's freeing because the responsibility is no longer on me, it's on
3: God. It's more of a sign of entrusting, I would say, at least in terms of what you're giving to the Lord.
7: I think that's a word that has a lot of layers to it. You know, and so you talk about surrender, I mean, you know, it's different in the game because I'm out there yelling to my team, never surrender, never retreat. But when it comes to God, it's, it's totally different. The notion
8: when we hear surrender, it takes such a negative tone because we feel like it means give up, it means quit. When you surrender, you're giving up to things that are that are gonna suffocate you anyway. And he's calling you into a life that in some respects may be different than what you believe is gonna satisfy you, but it's ultimately gonna bring you peace.
6: There's many times where it's difficult to surrender to God. I think one of the main ones is probably when when trials and
8: tribulations hit because we're, we're trying to control it so much ourselves. I think everybody's default would go back to some form of selfishness.
9: And for me, it just came to a point where I just got tired. I got tired of living that life. I got tired of living a double life.
8: I've always wanted to know I'm gonna be on this team for this amount of time and you know really have my future set. So that was selfishly just wanting to know everything was going to be okay, you know, and I think for me the course of my career being the way it has been um, it's continued to put me in a space of faith all the time.
9: You know, it's a fight, you know, it's a fight with the devil, it's a fight with the enemy. It seems so backwards. Why? Why do I give all these things up that make me
4: feel good, right? That that seems backwards, but there is such a greater joy, there's
3: such a greater happiness and fulfillment in Jesus Christ. God's saying, hey listen, you can give up and completely let go of whatever it is because I'm worth it. In turn, you're gonna be giving getting something by giving up a little, you're gonna be getting something so much greater. I've heard all the, the, the
6: sayings, you know, don't tell God how big your problem is, tell your problem how big your God is. And, and But when it really, when re- you're in the midst of it, for real, you know, all those cliche sayings kinda just go out the window. And you're sitting there like, nah, I can handle it. And you, you wanna just, you know, do it yourself so bad, but you really gain power through Him when you surrender and let Him take care of it.
7: God wants everything. He wants your entire life. He wants it all because He knows how to use it the best.
8: All the pressures of, of worldly expectations and standard are gone all those things that used to weigh me down i think it's not it's not mine anymore i don't have to worry about it because i've surrendered when you surrender the things
4: that you know you want to hold on to and say i've i did this you know i got it to the nfl when you finally surrender those those strongholds you are free and you're at peace and there's no peace like the covering of jesus christ
1: I love what Josh McCown said about surrender. He said, quote, when you surrender, you're giving up the things that will suffocate you anyway. So what if God has bigger plans for us than we could ever dream? All for his glory. And what if our lifestyle of surrender provides us with the oxygen we need to accomplish our God given purpose?
5: This season, like every season I've been here, uh, you just have your ups and your downs.
7: To be at a point after week four, two and two, some bad losses, it's like they're done. To be here now, uh, I think it's just a credit to us sticking together. It
6: just goes to show you that uh, it's a long journey. It took the guys and coaches to stick together in this locker room and tune out the noise on the outside and stick it to one another and play for each other. Scripture tells us that adversity is a good thing, that God uses that a certain way, and I think that adversity was used to kind of help make our football team come together more.
5: One of the qualities that I think makes it so special is guys care about other guys um, outside of the football game. And they carry you through. They get you through that stuff. And, and you're happy that you have those guys and they bring you through all the tough times.
7: When we get together at different times, uh, when we talk about things to me that are more important in football, if you need help as being a father or a husband, advice in those things.
6: I mean, we had a huge group of guys in here that, that walk that walk and and it's hard to walk that life. But when you have great guys around you to hold you accountable, uh, that helps you a lot. I've been so encouraged this year uh, by the body of believers that we have here. So many strong men that God has gifted in in different ways.
3: It's really been uh, an honor to be a part of such a unique group this year. It's an overwhelming sense of brotherhood and joyfulness and camaraderie, accountability. Uh, in the things of God, in the character of God, and how we should live and and move and have our being.
7: I've grown a lot, you know, since being here in my faith.
5: My faith could not have come at a better time. It's been so much more valuable than any of the wins that we've done. It's been the true treasure of of coming here to New England.
6: So I really feel like he's given me this great opportunity to play a game that I
5: love so much. He's given me
6: people in my life, uh, ability to go out here and do this, and then ultimately it gives me a platform to give him glory.
2: You know, without Christ, I wouldn't be standing here talking to you guys right now. All glory goes down. So
1: now. thus far, we've talked about seeking Christ, and we've also discussed the essence of surrender to him. But there's a third and significant piece of life in God's kingdom, of living under his reign, and that piece is when we serve others. We asked our group of NFL players what it looks like to truly serve other people. As you might imagine, the discussion was rich, inspiring, and more than a little thought provoking. Here's what they said.
10: One of our main purposes is to serve others. It's one of the ways we shed the gospel, not only through speaking it, but being able to show that Christ-like manner. There's so
6: many different ways to serve. Just meeting other people's needs.
5: Find out what you what you feel like God is calling you to do and what you like to do and what causes you want to
7: help. If we're not focused on serving those around us, we start to I look back at ourselves. And once we get our minds on ourselves, we're not on mission, we're not on assignment. You know there are people in this in this nation that are suffering,
9: and there are people in this world that are suffering. And how can I serve those? And in doing all those things, um, you're able to show the love of Christ. If Christ set the example, and we are we
4: are seeking Him daily. Shouldn't we live out the way, uh, you know, He was He was exemplified?
8: When you read Mark 10 45, there's an exchange that's happening there. That's saying. Whatever it takes for you to have peace and have a connection with God, I'll do that. And if we're going to be a ransom to people and we're going to serve people, that means whatever it takes for you to know peace
3: and to know God, then I'll do that. When the Lord is supplying my needs and leading me and I'm close and seeking Him, then the reality of it is then is I can now offer that to other people around
10: me. For me, what keeps me in a service mindset is not feeling like I'll be punished if I don't don't do it it's more so just feeling like well, what impact am i missing if i if i don't do this i
7: can always say you know god when i have a little bit more then i'll give more when i have a little bit more time when i'm not as busy i'll serve more i'll spend more time doing things that are that are uplifting to your kingdom but god is like you know what i always need people to pray i always need people uh that i give and i always need people that i go well i like to Give a lot of wisdom to the
6: young people, the young and upcoming generation, because they're so easily influenced right now by many
9: different things that, I mean, this can impact their lives going forward. I've actually been to Honduras uh, to actually see some of the work uh, where people didn't have access to clean water and what it's done for those communities. I've had somebody reach out to me,
10: help me out at every key point in my life, whether it was watching my dad grow up and seeing how he really served the community I get to high school and had a coach that poured into me. I get to Ohio State and play under a coach, Jim Trestle, who taught me all about faith, integrity. So I know the importance of all of those small opportunities.
8: That's the heart of serving is just desiring so much um, that you would be willing to give up of yourself, of your resources, um, because you believe in so much in what you've surrendered to that um, serving, you know, becomes a posture of life and it becomes a way that you
1: live it's truly an amazing thing to consider that when we serve other people in the name of christ that we're actually serving jesus himself seek surrender serve it becomes a lifestyle at times we execute it to perfection and honestly at other times we fall flat on our faces but whatever the case god always invites us into that next small step of obedience not to earn his love, but to respond to it so the world might see what the Apostle Paul calls the handiwork of God. Toward the end of C.S. Lewis's book, The Last Battle, one of the characters sums up what all the other characters are feeling. And my hunch is that you might be feeling it too. He stomped his right foot on the ground and then cried out, I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it until now. You know, life in the kingdom is that home we've all been looking for all of our days, whether we knew it or not. It's where we belong. It's our real country. Seek, surrender, serve. And friends, whatever you do today, whoever you're with, wherever you go, I pray that you laugh and play and cheer and pretend that you're a kid again playing on an elementary school football field. The honor has truly been mine to spend this time together with you. It's Super Bowl 52. God bless you, and by all means, enjoy the game.
0: Let's give Lord praise for some incredible testimonies from NFL players willing to use their career as a platform to tell people about Jesus. I want to wrap up our time this morning uh, from John chapter 3, verse 3. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I'm just going to read a couple of verses in John chapter 3, verse 3, because it talks about the kingdom of God. Jesus is talking about the kingdom. That's what they talked about in the video over and over, that there is a king, our God, our Savior Jesus Christ, and he has created an eternal kingdom that he wants us to be a part of. He invites us to be a part of this kingdom. But not everybody is gonna be a part of this kingdom because he doesn't force it on anyone. It's a decision that we have to personally make. God has done his part to provide this kingdom for us and access to this kingdom because 2,000 years ago, God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us, to pay for our sins. So that we could have our relationship with God restored once again and be brought into an everlasting eternal kingdom forever and forever. And Jesus was talking about this one day in John chapter 3 with a religious man. His name was Nicodemus. And they were having a discussion about the kingdom and how how do you get there. And Jesus said some interesting words that I think that are very important for us today. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you're born again. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus. What are you talking about, Jesus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. There's a physical birth that brought you into your earthly family, but there must be a spiritual birth that brings you into an eternal family. Humans can produce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. You must be born again. I think one of the most important questions that we could ask ourselves in light of what we've talked about today and what was talked about about the kingdom in the video and from the scriptures is, have you been born again? You had a physical birth that brought you into your earthly family, but have you received a spiritual birth, being born again, that has brought you into God's eternal, everlasting family? Put another way, do you know you have a home in heaven someday? Do you know that you have a personal relationship and walk with Jesus Christ? He wants you to. He, he invites you to. He's made it possible for that to happen. He's done his part, but will you do your part? You say, well, what is my, my part in this? What, what do I need to do? Well, it's really not about anything you do. It's about accepting what God has already done for you in faith. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1 that there's two things we need to do or attitudes we need to have if we're going to be born again, have our sins forgiven and have eternal life. We need to believe and we need to receive. We need to believe in Jesus, not just about Jesus, but believe in him, put our trust and faith in him, and receive him personally as our Lord and Savior. That's how our sins are forgiven. That's how we are born again and how we can know that we have a relationship with God and that we're going to spend eternity with him someday in heaven forever and ever and be able to walk with him in a personal relationship today. Have you made that decision? Have you made that choice? Nobody can make it for you. It's something only you can decide between you and God. Now, I believe with all of my heart there are some of you that God has been preparing your entire life for this time and this moment to say yes to him, to say yes to Jesus, to invite him into your life as your personal Lord and Savior. One of the most famous and well-known verses in all the Bible is John 3, 16, that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The keys to the kingdom. A relationship with God. If you've never made that decision, but the Holy Spirit is prompting you today to make that decision, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now in this place. Would you bow for prayer with me? With heads bowed, and eyes closed, all across the room. If you're here today and you would say, you know, Pastor Doug, Pat, I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to me to invite Jesus into my life, to accept the gift of salvation. The Bible says if we seek him, we will find him. He's been seeking some of you all of your life. Will you now seek him? And in just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer out loud, and I'm going to invite many of you to pray this prayer with me. It's not a magic prayer. They're not, it's not magic words that we say to get God's attention, but, but prayer is a way to express the faith and belief that is in our heart and to tell God about it so that we can be born again. If that's you today, you know who you are if God is speaking to you in that way. I invite you to pray this prayer with me from your seat right now. And it goes like this Jesus, I want to be born again. I want to be in your family. I want to be your child. And I want you to be my father. I want to have my sins forgiven. And I want to spend eternity with you. So I'm saying yes to you, Jesus, today. Yes, be my Lord. Yes, be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and dying for me so that I can be a part of your kingdom forever and ever. Thank you. Thank you. As we continue in attitude of prayer for just a moment with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around, I don't want to embarrass anybody. I would never want to do that. That's not our intention here at all. But if you just prayed that prayer of faith, as I believe several of you did, it's the greatest decision you could ever make. And we take that very, very, very seriously here at Orchard Church. That's our whole mission. The whole reason we exist in this community is to help people find and follow Jesus. And I believe some of you have found him today. And I would love the privilege to pray for you right now that you would grow in your walk and relationship with Jesus from this day forward. I would love to celebrate with you. So in just a moment, I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, if you prayed that prayer without anybody else looking around, would you just slip up your hand so I can celebrate your decision and I can pray for you that you would grow in your walk with the Lord. You know who you are. One, two, three. Lift up your hands all across the auditorium. Lift them up nice and high. I don't want to miss anybody. God bless you, ma'am, right here. God bless you, a couple people here. God bless you, two people here. God bless you, sir. God bless you, two, three, four people over here. God bless you here in the middle. God bless you, two people back here. God bless you, young man, over here. God bless you. Yes, over here, a couple of people. God bless you all the way to my left. Amen. God bless you. Amen. If I missed your hand, it's okay. God sees your heart, and that's what matters. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I just lift up all those today, many, many people in all of our services that have said yes to you today. Lord, we welcome them with open arms into the family of God as our brothers and sisters in Christ now that get to be a part of your eternal kingdom now and forever, and we thank you that you made that possible through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, May all those who've said yes to you today grow in their walk and relationship with you from this day forward. May we who are believers that have known you for a while uh, to help take these people by the spiritual hand, help them to grow in their walk in faith with you. May we respond to them to the way, in the same way you've responded to us with full of grace and love and mercy and compassion. And as we welcome them into your kingdom today, and we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Listen to me very carefully right now. Yeah, let's celebrate that. Go ahead, amen, amen. Listen to me very carefully right now. I know this is the moment where everybody kind of checks out, but this is probably one of the most important moments of, of our service. If you just said yes to Jesus, you, you raised your hand, you said, I prayed that prayer, uh, again, that's the most important decision that you could ever make. We take that so seriously here at Orchard Church. And so we have created a little booklet that we would love to put in your hands today. It's free, it gives you kind of your next steps how, how to pray, how to read the Bible, how, how to grow in your walk with the Lord. So if you raised your hand, you prayed that prayer, please, 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 before you leave for today, uh, go to our I Said Yes booth. You can't miss it, it's right there in the lobby. As soon as you go out just look to the right and pick up this book we'd love to put this in your hands today um, because of your new walk with Christ and your decision uh, today also want to take a moment to welcome all of our first-time guests I know many people invited friends and co-workers and family members to our football Sunday thanks for inviting people thanks for being our guest today amen yeah good to have you guys we hope you've enjoyed your time here at Orchard I hope you filled out that guest connection card, if you did please drop that in the offering bucket in just a moment when we receive our gifts, Um, we're not interested in your money at all, uh, first time guests today but we are definitely interested in getting to know you and so if you drop that in with your information we're not going to do anything weird like show up unannounced at your house, here's what we're going to do, we're going to send you a thank you note and a free gift in the mail uh, for being our guest so please drop that in the offering bucket uh, when it goes by in just a moment, I also want to just remind you again next week we start. a brand new four-week series called What's the Difference? I am really excited about this series. I've been studying for several weeks preparing for this. People ask us all the time, what is the difference between Christianity and some of the other major religions of the world? We're going to be talking about uh, Mormonism. We're going to talk about Islam. We're going to talk about Catholicism because there are some differences and we're going to explore those in the next few weeks. It's going to be very informative, encouraging. You don't, you don't want to miss that uh, starting next week. I also want to say a big huge thank you uh, to our church because you guys are so incredibly generous in your giving and your tithes and your offerings and and, uh, just helping our community and, and around the world. For those of you who don't know, we support three feeding centers. We started these feeding centers in Philippines, Mexico, and Haiti. And because of your generosity, we feed over 500 kids around the world every single day. So thank you. Thank you for that generosity. You guys are making a difference in helping people find and follow Jesus in this community and around the world. And some of you may remember in all of our Christmas Eve services, we had five Christmas Eve services. We took up a special offering, not for our church, but for our kids and our feeding centers to give them a nice Christmas. And you guys gave over $8,000, and we received some pictures. This is the parties that they had. You guys made this possible. These are our feeding center kids. These are the kids. You guys support Um, the the Philippines, they said they gave out like 300 backpacks, they gave the kids all new backpacks and school supplies and and packed them out, they said the kids were just beaming and were so excited and they're going to school in all their new backpacks so so thank you guys for for doing that and for your incredible uh, generosity we we couldn't do it without you, so thank you Uh, right now we're going to stand and we're going to close in a song of worship and we're going to worship through our generosity, through our tithes and offerings because we want to be a church that acts our wage by giving first, saving second and living on the rest, so as you stand, as we ready to close in worship. If you raised your hand and you said yes to Jesus, I'm going to encourage you even right now. Don't wait. Uh, Beat the rush. Beat the crowd. Head out the doors. Go to the booth right now and pick up uh, your book out there because we want to put that in your hands as we close in worship. Uh, I love you guys. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday and I'll see you next week.